Welcome to the Spartan Underground Show, your ultimate resource for everything Spartan race training. Discover what the best SGX coaches are doing to help their clients boost performance, dominate obstacles, and get through each race burpee-free. Here is your host, Mike Diebler. All right, what's up, everybody? This is Mike, and this week we have kind of a special episode. Um, when I started this podcast and, and writing articles online, I definitely knew it was going to get personal, and it's easy to share some of the successes and your your client success stories, my own successes, training, things like that, but unfortunately, that's not always how life goes, and it's important that we talk about some of the obstacles, excuse the pun, but that get in the way. And recently, I found myself in an oncologist's office, which, as you can imagine, is a little bit freaky. And being somebody who's young and you know, pretty healthy, watches what they eat, and exercises regularly, you know, you, you cover all your bases, but it just shows you that things can happen. Um, luckily, there was no issue, but I just wanted to talk about how I got there in the, the first place. Um, recently went in for a physical, got my normal blood work, and uh, the good news was my, my lipid profile was was awesome, and pretty much everything in there was really great, showing that I'm, I am eating right, I'm exercising, good genetics doesn't help, uh, doesn't hurt. All of those things were, were great, but I got a phone call that day just saying, hey, we need you to come back in for additional testing. Uh, you actually tested positive for anemia. And at first, I had to admit, I thought they called the wrong person um, and that everything was messed up and somehow there was just a mix-up, but I go back in, I get tested again. Um, they, they add a few more things uh, like iron and folate and B12 and a few other things they didn't test for the first time. And sure enough, I, I show low, low levels of red blood cell and, and some other things that signal for anemia. So my doctor couldn't figure out what why this was happening um so they referred me to a specialist which is why i winded up in the oncologist's office so luckily everything was good um but it was pretty a funny story that our our favorite spartan dietitian actually wrote a uh, Anne larue wrote an article for the spartan site and it was about anemia so i wanted to get her back on and talk about this because um, this is actually something that happened to me personally. So, um, Coach Ann, how are you doing today? I'm doing awesome. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, thank you for, for joining us. And um, you'd be proud to know, actually, for lunch today, I did have a spinach salad with some orange slices in there. And uh, we'll, we'll talk about why you should be <laughs> proud of me, right? <laughs> um, but, yeah, uh, so the timing was perfect that you wrote this article. And wanted to get you back on because... I have a feeling that I'm probably not the only one that this has ever happened to, especially if you're doing Spartan races or other uh, endurance races. So um, if you don't mind, just kind of explain what anemia is. Yeah, so so anemia is basically happening when um, we're low. We tend to be low in the role of iron. So iron is a part of our red blood cells, which helps to deliver oxygen to our working tissue. And when we say tissue, we also mean our muscles. So people don't always think of those as one and the same. Um, and so it also helps with the actions that are within the body for the transfer of energy metabolism. So inadequate levels of iron in the body 
what that can result in is a decreased blood flow to those muscles, which can lead to a decrease in performance um, during races and during training, right? Um, So what happens is when people have been detected as having low levels of either hemoglobin and hematocrit, ferritin, different, um, different markers within the blood, then they would be diagnosed with anemia, which, as I believe you had said, is, can be tricky because there are different types of anemia. It's not all cut and dry, which, again, is one, of, one more of those things with nutrition where it's not as easy as it sounds. And I hope I just didn't confuse it more. No, I think that makes perfect sense. So um, why don't we talk a little bit about the different types and um, specifically that some of our listeners might be concerned with. Okay, sure. So I think what I'll do then is I'll start with the different types and end with um, I'll end with sports and sports anemia. Um, So anemia can occur in all sorts of people. And just so people understand, it's not always something that we can control. Um, And it's not always, you know, for example, the elderly population, just like many other things that happen as our body ages, our bodies become less efficient in many processes. And some of t- sometimes that includes things like um, the ability to absorb iron and create new blood cells. Um, so there are different people that are at risk for develop- developing iron deficiency anemia. Um, and so one of the reasons why somebody might be diagnosed with having anemia is really just due to uh, a large amount of blood loss. So let's say somebody had a GI bleed or recently had surgery where there was a large amount of blood that was lost, or somebody somebody may not realize that just giving blood too often, like they are the Red Cross's favorite participant because they give blood all. And I think the I have to really stop avoiding the red blood, uh, the Red Cross's calls because they keep calling me and I need to just pick up an answer and tell them that with my training right now, it's really not appropriate for me to be giving up any of my my blood. So, yeah. um, so somebody may be giving too much blood and that's what's contributing to it. Female athletes that are having their uh, menstrual cycles, that's a form of blood loss. And so, so they are a high risk females in general, but especially young females are a very high risk group for developing anemia because of that blood loss. So that kind of takes us into the next round of people who you can develop anemia from, um, having an inadequate intake of iron. Right. And so that really becomes, a. I don't want to use the word malnutrition or that you're malnourished, but you're lacking in that nutrient. So there's one way that you can have um, anemia and we can get into a little bit more about the diet as it relates a little bit later on. Mm-hmm. Then there's foot strike anemia, which especially with people that do a lot of running um, and, you know, doing things like box jumps and jump squats and landing from going over the walls. And if you, you know, you're doing rope climbing, things like that, anything where you're hitting the foot, there's all sorts of little blood vessels in the feet. And so it's that repeated breaking of the capillaries in the feet, um, that can cause a, what's called foot strike anemia. Right. Interesting. Uh, yeah. So, and then the last one, um, that's, dilution pseudonemia or also known as sports anemia or athletic anemia. 
And that's the one that um, isn't really caused by anything other than the body um, taking time to adapt to an increased intense exercise program. So when somebody is told that they have sports anemia or athlete anemia, really, you know, the first thing that you'd want to look at is, okay, so did I just recently start a high intensity, higher than normal training regimen? Um, and if so, I need to wait it out and see if, if my blood volume can adjust. So with sports anemia, <clears throat> we have a rise in blood volume and red blood cells that occurs because we started an intensive exercise program. Because there's a rise in blood volume, um, and that blood volume increases faster than the rate that our red blood cells can keep up, a lab test would make it look as though we have anemia because we don't have enough red blood cells. But it's really just because our blood volume rose and our blood cells haven't caught up yet, right? Mm -hmm. So, for example, if somebody, let's say, your first real uh, race is going to be, let's say you're going to do the New Jersey beast in, uh, you know, the beginning of next year, what is it? April timeframe. Mm -hmm. um, and so let's say very beginning of February, let's say the, the first week of February, you started an intense exercise program and you were really hitting it hard because that, However, you know, not that that's necessarily what we want to do, but let's say that's what you were doing. Mm -hmm. You upped your exercise intensity a lot, or maybe you had just taken the month of January and said, okay, this is my off season. I'm really going to relax it down a bit and I'm going to bump it up in February. So that's what you did. And then one week into this, you said, oh, you know what? I think I'm going to get my blood test done as well. And so right as you had entered into that phase of increasing your exercise intensity, since that fell in the timing of your um, lab tests, it could be that there's just an increased blood volume happening. Mm -hmm. And that's, that it's just funny. I feel like you're kind of describing me because <laughs> this is essentially what I did. Um, so I ran the beast in, in Pala, the SoCal one in uh, what was that, September. And I originally was going to do the sprint. And then I kind of last minute changed my mind and needed to bump up my training a little bit. And I've been putting off my, you know, yearly physical um, as long as I could. So I just had to plan that out as best I could. So it was kind of like I did the race, you know, I had to kind of cram for the training. And then I did my blood test. It was either the week after or maybe a week and a half, something like that. So I kind of didn't plan that out very well, but it, yeah. it sounds exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. So ideally, and of course, you know, if we were really good and well planned out, we'd have this all down, but like, ideally I would now most likely most of us aren't going to completely take the winter months off. We're going to just, you know, like my plan is maintaining, working on my running endurance and maintaining that and maintaining my strength. Um, ideally, three months before we were planning our race, but before we started our major training, um, that's when we would test because, because we would cut out what we just talked about, what you probably experienced. Um, and that would give us a really good baseline. And then also three months is the perfect amount of time to, to see really good improvements for mm -hmm. something like this. It's not going to be done overnight. So yeah, definitely. And, um, 
one other thing, uh, how you were mentioning with the increase in, in uh, uh, blood volume and plasma, um, hydration can affect that as well, correct? It definitely can. Yeah. Um, you know, we think about I, the most, the simplest way that I try to explain it to people is um, when we're hydrating the body, you know, what we want to think of is think about water hydrating, think about blood, it's a liquid. And so you have to imagine that connection in the body that anything that is a fluid needs that hydration. And the, and the more hydrated that we have the body, the more that all fluids within the body can flow easily. And now when we become dehydrated, the body is going to try to protect itself in any way that it can. So first off, what it does is it send us, sends us signals to the brain that we perceive as um, being thirsty, right? And so it sends that when we're already beginning to dehydrate. And so we feel that sense of thirst. Um, then as we go, and if the body is not getting adequate amounts of hydration, it's going to do what it has to do to survive. So it's going to pull fluids from wherever it can. And that's why over time, as the body becomes dehydrated, our muscles are not hydrated. Um, the the joints, the, the, the fluids that are in between all the organs that can start to decrease, you know, that's worst case scenario because the body's trying to pull fluid from wherever it can. And one of those areas that it can pull is essentially from our, our blood flow. Yeah. Right. And I'm sure there's a lot more technical, you know, some, there's some doctor or somebody somewhere who's saying, Oh, you just butchered that explanation, <laughs> but you get the idea yeah, that, yeah. that blood is a fluid. And so if our body needs fluid, um, and, and also as we sweat and the, um, the body is releasing, or sweat or fluid to the surface of the skin so that it can evaporate and cool the body, that's a process happening through the blood flow as well. So, um, so definitely if our fluid volume intake is low, then the overall fluid volume within the body, including from the blood can, can lessen. Makes perfect sense. So with, with sports anemia, um, it, it does sound like a little bit of time to adapt is, uh, potentially the answer for, for correcting that. Yes. Um, we talked about iron deficiencies as well. And, um, you know, when I first, uh, received my blood work and you wrote this article, I contacted you and you gave me some great tips. And that was one of the reasons I wanted to get you back on here because I just thought these were incredibly valuable to share with, with our listeners. So let's just start out with iron sources and what are some of the best ones that we can find? Okay, let me get my little notes here so I don't forget any. Um, so most people, they start out by knowing that red meats, right? So somebody says, oh, I have anemia. I need to go eat some steak, right? Um, so that's the most that's the food that most people associate with that. Um, and there are leaner cuts of steak, but steak also can come with saturated fat because it's an, uh, an animal protein. So although lean red meats are a good source of iron. We also want to make sure that we're incorporating, um, other sources, other sources of iron because there are ones that are better for us that provide more nutrition. They, they don't have, they're not a source of saturated fats. They are, um, lower in calorie if that's what people are looking at, watching out for. Um, and any, 
any diet in which we only consider one or two foods as the source of that nutrient can then become unbalanced, right? So when we say, oh, I'm going to get all of my protein from chicken and that's it. Well, now we're, now we're eliminating many other sources of protein that come with other nutritional components to them. So anytime that we find ourselves limiting things down to one or two sources for a nutrient, we want to kind of take a step back and see what else could I do for variety. But so red meats and leafy greens, like you mentioned, um, spinach, though that also contains iron, but a lot of the foods that people forget about, like I mentioned in the article, things like dates, raisins, beans, tofu, molasses, uh, pork loin, shrimp, and fortified cereals, right? Anything that says iron enriched is going to be a good source of iron. Mm -hmm. Other good sources, like an excellent source source is oysters. Uh, Beef liver is a good source. I don't know many people that are eating that, (laughs) but um, bison meat is an, right. Oh yeah. Um, Bison meat is another good red meat source. That's very, very lean. I I really like uh, bison steaks and, and ground bison. Uh, things like cashews, chickpeas, tuna, eggs, chicken, these are also good sources of iron. Um, so as you're, as people are hearing that list, just, just what I ask people is, okay, you may have heard, if you heard one or two food sources in there that you eat good, but if you could come up with four or five or more of those that I mentioned, and those are all listed in the article, if you can look at that and say, you know what? half or more of those foods I eat on a weekly basis, that's what you would want to aim for because that means you're not only getting good amounts of iron, but you're also getting them from varied sources. So you're getting other nutrition in there. Perfect. Yeah. And I'll definitely include the link to the article and I'll also include you. You sent me a nice fact sheet that lists some of these foods out. And I do have to mention one that you didn't mention on here and Mm -hmm. that's dark chocolate. So yes. I can just eat dark chocolate every day. <laughs> right. And, see, <laughs> and and that's the thing is like people will pick up on whatever food. Usually that's what people do with a list is they'll look at it and they'll find the foods that um, appeal to them the most. And that's a, definitely a great way to start. But I remind people, don't use this list as a way, as an excuse to eat tons of that. Keep in <laughs> mind, right? Keep in mind the common sense that we know of um that certain foods, yes, some foods are sources of iron, but like I said, they can also be sources of other things. Like they can be a high calorie food source or they can be a high fat food source, which is why we want to vary it, um, to include some of those like red meats and dark chocolate, but then also include some of the, the ones with more nutrition and lower calorie, like the leafy greens, um, Let's see what else. Uh, the bison meat can be lower, pork loin, you know, tofu, the lower the lower calorie food sources that are and keep it nice and balanced. Yeah. And it might just be a good way or a good excuse to try foods you've never had before. Like, you know, like liver or organ meat is it might not sound like that's something that appeals to you, but there are a ton of nutritional value from from organ meats. So it might be something just worth a try. You never know. Like I tell right. my my kid my four year old. You know, how do you know you don't like it if you've never tried it? And exactly. It I bought a little can. Them, I bought a little coin, uh, can of oysters, and I've yet to open it. But I, I swear, <laughs> I'm going to. Yeah, it's um, there but, eventually. You know, it's an also a good idea because somebody, 
you know, like let somebody say somebody who says, oh, yeah, every day one of my snacks, you know, I have an apple and I have some almonds um, because there's heart healthy benefits in almonds. Well, great. But cashews is are a really good source of iron. That's one more reason to vary up your nut intake and not always just do almonds or maybe walnuts, but try to throw in some cashews, uh, you know, and and eat foods that, you know, every time I learn about a different nutrient or a different diagnosis and what the approaches are, it reminds me of all the different foods that there are mm-hmm. out there Definitely. that we may be missing out on. Yeah, yeah. So getting more uh, foods high in iron is, is a perfect start. Um, but one thing that you mentioned to me was some when you combine it with other foods, it might actually increase the absorption rate in the body. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. So vitamin C helps the body to absorb iron. Um, so one of the things that you can do is try to your your meals or snacks when you're having when you're having a good iron source. All ha- also have that with a source of vitamin C. So for example, one example of that is if you are choosing to have um, let's say pork loin. Right, so that's a good source of iron. So you're going to have pork loin for dinner tonight. Well, a good source of vitamin C is a half a cup of cooked broccoli or cooked broccoli. Um, so if you pair your pork loin with a side of broccoli, then you're getting an iron and vitamin C source. Perfect. And that was the my spinach and orange slices today. Exactly. And then let's say let's take that very same thing instead of having um, my pork loin, let's say, let's say I wanted to have chicken instead, another good source of iron, but I wanted to have spinach on the side and I wasn't, I wanted to have, make sure that I could get more, pack more of an iron punch out of that spinach. I could have a salad with raw spinach, or I could cook my spinach in a cast iron skillet and the spinach will absorb from the cast iron skillet and you'll have a higher iron source in that spinach. So anytime you can cook in a cast iron skillet, your food, your food is going to become a higher source of iron. Oh, interesting. So how about, um, so certain foods will increase absorption, but you also mentioned to me that certain things might decrease absorption. Right. And so one of the things that, um, people don't always realize or think about, uh, tea and coffee can, um, reduce the body's ability to absorb the iron. So for example, I was having, um, for a while I was on a kick of having my oatmeal in the morning, some oatmeal with some peanut butter stirred in and some cinnamon. Um, and, and I was feeling good about being an iron source because of the fortified cereal. So I knew I was getting some iron. However, I also drink my coffee at the same time. So, you know, there's, there's no exact science as to how much you're canceling out or decreasing it, but I knew that I wasn't going to absorb it in um, as efficient as if I paired it at a different time of day. Or, for example, for me, because I did receive some lab values that show that I was low in iron, I spoke with my doctor and started taking an iron supplement every other day, but I was in the habit of taking it in the morning. Um before I left the house. Cause that's when I would remember, but that was also when I was drinking my coffee. And so the best rule of thumb is to wait two hours after you drink 
coffee or tea before your body will be well equipped to absorb the iron. So I actually changed it and started making a habit that I have my um, iron with in the evening time. Perfect. Yeah. And I was doing a similar thing where I would have um, eggs in the morning with spinach. But yes, I was often drinking coffee with it. So exactly. That's a great example. Somebody making like an omelet or something like that and saying, oh, good source of iron in my spinach here. And and also in in the the egg, but then yeah, you're having your coffee with it. Yeah, yeah. So I try and I'll have the coffee first thing, and then wait as long as I can. Um, hopefully, it's around that two hour mark before I have my my meal. Um, all right. I think um, you had a recipe, correct? That um, we can share on here. I do have a recipe. It's a delicious white bean and avocado recipe. It's super delicious. You can use it as a dip or you can even use it as like a sandwich spread. If you're, you're making some sort of a sandwich or toast, it works really good as a spread on toast. Um, so yeah, I'll definitely send you got, send you that link so that you can put it up for, for people. Perfect. And everybody will be able to find that, uh, at our show notes, which is going to be spartanunderground.com slash episode dash 12. And you'll get all of the links to the articles that we mentioned, uh, and the recipe. Um, I think we covered everything. Are we, am I missing anything or did I forget to ask you anything? No, I think we covered it all pretty well. And any listeners who want more and want to be able to have the food sources and everything, like I said, that that's all in the article, um, and it talks about it really well. And I do reference in the article, too, for those of us that are at a, at a lower altitude, I reference a great article that Dr. Jeff Godin had done um, that also relates to iron and altitude training. And I think that's a great one to check out, too. All right. Perfect. Uh, well, thanks so much for coming on. I know it's been incredibly helpful for me, and I'm, I'm sure this is going to help our, our listeners. Um, they They may be experiencing this, and just never had their blood work done and not really known what's going on. So hopefully this will maybe inspire people to check their blood work or at least have a plan um, for their training so they don't run into this issue as well. Yeah. You know, I think that's a very good point is that people don't often really, you know, we get set, get set into this um, lifestyle of being active and eating well um, and we feel good and we, we look good, but we so we automatically think you know I don't need to have my labs done or anything like that I absolutely jump at every chance that I can to have my labs done I just went to a training last week and they had to do a a demonstration of do of uh, a blood panel and so looking at cholesterol levels and your blood sugar and stuff and they asked if we wanted to volunteer and I'm always like I'll have it done I want to yeah. know you know um because that those numbers can really tell us what's going on on the inside of our bodies, like what is really happening. Um, and if that could be the difference between feeling really good and feeling great, then you would definitely want to know that. And I, another thing that came to mind when you were just summarizing there was how we do, you know, we do come up with, with a general weekly eating plan that is often full of great choices, but what can so often happen in people like ourselves that are, um, you know, we're, we try to be regimented. We try to be very scheduled. We try to make sure we're planning our meals and planning our training. One of the things that can happen is out of convenience, we fall into a certain group of foods that works really well as far as meeting what we want for nutrition. It works well as far as being easy to prepare, easy to store and easy to take 
with us, but we can, we can quickly reduce our overall variety that we have in our diet. And even people with great nutrition plans, as far as choosing lean sources and reducing sugar and reducing sodium and understanding the foods that they're putting into their bodies, even the people that do the best at that can forget the need for variety. And so really taking a look at what you eat over the course of three to four weeks and seeing how many different fruits and vegetables am I actually eating? You know, I know I eat a lot of them, but I only eat the same like three or four. So it can be a good time to step back and see, I've got all the other components, but what happened to my variety? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great point. And, uh, um, it is incredibly easy to fall in that trap of this is what I eat. This is my breakfast. This is my lunch. These are my snacks. And yeah, that can get into trouble if that's all you're ever doing. So, um, perfect. I think that's a great place to end. Um, thanks again for coming on. I know everybody got a lot out of this and I'm sure we're going to have Jan uh, again sometime soon. Awesome. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for episode 12 of the Underground SGX show. I know this is a little bit of a different setup, but I think this was a really important topic that we, we talked about. So I wanted to give a big thanks again for Coach LaRue for coming on here and giving us some of her insight and sharing the tips that she gave me to help me out because I know they're going to be helpful for you. Now, don't forget, you can find all of our show notes for the episodes with all of the articles and recipes and anything else we mentioned in the show at www.spartanunderground.com slash episode 12. Uh, if you want to email me, have any questions about the topic we talked about today or any future topics that you'd like us to talk about, don't forget to email me at info at spartanunderground.com. And finally, don't forget our November giveaway. We are giving away some cool t-shirts, compression socks, and towels. And all you have to do to enter is like our Facebook page, follow us on Instagram, or give us a review on iTunes or however you might be listening to the show. For all of those, you're going to get different entries into our, our giveaway, and we're going to give away a ton of different things. So lots of people are going to win. All you have to do is just follow us on those places. Again, go to our show notes, and you'll get links to all of those uh, different ways you can enter. So that's it for now. Um, hope you guys enjoyed the show. Stay tuned for our next episode next week. Until then, keep training hard, and I hope your next race is burpee-free.